Most of the recruits hailed from states that denied them the right to vote, banned their children from public schools, and allowed thugs to beat them when they boarded streetcars and trains. Trotter and his fellows had signed on to crush the Confederacy and put an end to the enslavement of four million blacks, but also to win for themselves the full rights and privileges of American citizens. Those who enlisted in early 1863 understood that it was by no means certain that their sacrifice would convince white Americans to accept their claims. A good many northern freemen had fathers or uncles who had served in previous wars. Roughly 5,000 black men had joined the Patriots during the Revolution, but significantly, those soldiers disproportionately hailed from those New England states that were home to few African Americans overall. Another 15,000 Africans and African Americans, mostly from the South, sided with the Loyalists as the best path to freedom. Only Massachusetts permitted slaves to volunteer in exchange for their freedom, and many, such as Peter Salem, fought at both Concord and Bunker Hill. Several other northern states allowed bondmen to enlist as substitutes for their masters, which typically resulted in freedom, provided they survived the fighting. Black veterans had prayed that the revolution might offer not merely new opportunities for freedom, but also full participation in the new political order. When Massachusetts crafted its new state constitution in 1780, even before slavery was abolished in the state, it rewarded black veterans by allowing all freedmen the right to vote. Slavery in the North collapsed fastest in those states that had lower proportions of blacks, but also in those that had high numbers of black veterans, who often returned from the war armed and prepared to liberate wives and children, and to sue for political rights when necessary. Now their sons hoped to force an unwilling nation to finally recognize those rights. Because of that recent history, from the moment the first black man enlisted, Northern Democrats feared the obvious connection between military service and future demands for federal citizenship. The only motive for adopting the black soldier system was the fanatical idea of Negro equality, fumed a New York publisher, and the determination of the radicals to do everything possible to raise the Negro to the social and political level of the white. Despite disastrous setbacks for the U.S. Army at both battles of Bull Run, the Peninsula Campaign, and again in December 1862 at Fredericksburg, most Democrats appeared to prefer an endless bloodbath to the prospect of black voting rights. So worried was the Lincoln administration about appeasing northern racists that it was not until the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect in January 1863 that his War Department permitted Massachusetts Governor John A. Andrew to begin raising black regiments. As abolitionist Frederick Douglass spoke across the North in favor of Andrew's proposal, the vitriol reached ugly new lows. Fred Douglass sounds the war cry to the darkies of New York, sneered a Cleveland editor. Let us imagine Fred standing on an eminence near Rochester, a perfume bottle in one hand, speaking to the black recruits as the swords of the charcoal officers protrude between their legs like monkeys' tails. That Douglas, born a slave in Maryland, had become a respected, elegantly dressed, and eloquent anti-slavery orator clearly outraged the Ohio publisher. But perhaps his real fear was that black soldiers would aim their muskets north, south, east, and west, and not merely at the Confederate military. 
The theory that black soldiers and veterans could not be adequately controlled by white officers was also raised on Capitol Hill, especially by politicians from the border slave states that had not seceded. You put one white man to command a thousand Negroes at the South, charged Kentucky Congressman John J. Crittenden. But will he restrain them? Will it not result in servile war? The aged Crittenden, a former senator and attorney general who had condemned the Emancipation Proclamation, had sons fighting for both the U.S. and the Confederacy. His son Thomas Crittenden, despite remaining loyal to the Union, had owned eleven slaves in 1860, and the congressman hoped to end the war with the smallest possible modification of white supremacy. In contradiction with the notion that black males, if provided with a rifle, would wage a war of racial extermination against all whites regardless of region, other critics insisted that African Americans were too cowardly to make effective soldiers.